Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining me this week on Tia Time. We'll get to the show in just a moment. First, I wanted to say thank you to all of you who have posted a rating on Apple Podcast. Apple Podcast is an app that can be downloaded to your phone or computer. The algorithm it uses allows more artists and art enthusiasts like yourselves to hear about the show. So if you haven't posted a rating yet, do it now. Thank you. On with the show. Welcome to Tia Time with Artists, the weekly podcast where we discuss the methods, challenges, and real-life experiences of living our creative dreams. What kind of creative warrior are you? Musician? Filmmaker? Painter? Choreographer? Poet? Sculptor? Fashionista? Let's talk about it right now. I'm your host, Tia Imani Hanna. This week on Tia Time with Artists is my guest, sculptor extraordinaire, Michael Magnata. Welcome so much to the show, Michael. Oh, thank you so much, Tia. Yeah, glad to be here. We were just reminiscing about working together many years ago for an opening for a gallery. I think it was for Craig Mitchell Smith. Yes, Um, it was. (laughs) Many years ago. (laughs) And it's good that we're both still doing our thing. (laughs) I know. Yeah, that's great. For sure. Yeah. So on this show, we tend to, we rabbit hole a lot. We go down memory lane and talk about mm-hmm. like, what was it that inspired you to start doing sculpture? Uh-huh. Uh, was there any other arts that you do that we don't know about or uh-huh. things you started in or what? Sure. Was there somebody sure. in your family that inspired you? What started you on this art trek? To start at the beginning, I, I came from a somewhat artistic family. They, they really weren't working artists, but my I had three brothers who were musicians, and I have a sister who makes jewelry. And my father was really an artist in the business world. He, he was always creating and had ideas and could bring people together and this sort of thing. I My, my first foray into art, the arts, per se, though, was in my early 30s. I took up photography and became very much enamored of that medium and pursued it for most of 20 years, thinking of trying to make a switch in career to, to photography. That, that never did happen for one reason or another, but I, I kept at it and, and enjoyed it. And then was living out in San Diego and became very enamored of architecture and enrolled in the new school of architecture out there while maintaining my full-time job. But I studied it for two and a half years and just loved it. And and it took my art, obviously it did take my art from that two-dimension photographic to the three-dimension. And and in fact, my first sculpture was done in a studio class there at the new school. So, yeah, I I studied the architecture. Then we ended up moving back from San Diego to Michigan, and I was able to retire from my workaday world in 07. At that point, I had always been intrigued by welding, had never done any of it, and took the creative welding course at Lansing Community College taught by a wonderful fellow, Chris Edick. And I knew the minute that the first time you weld two pieces of metal together, for me anyway, it, it was a love affair. And I knew, yeah, this was the art form 
that that I, I had been looking for. So yeah, since 2007, that's what I've been doing is creating metal sculpture and loving it. <laughs> well, it's good to hear. It's good to hear. So what was your workaday world? Before? I, yes, I, I worked as a probation officer. Oh, wow. Uh, Yes, for both the state of Michigan for 15 years and then moved out to San Diego and worked with the federal system, federal court system, and retired from both of those. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, I was a probation officer. Yep. When you started working with sculpting or with iron and Uh with with welding, was that like, did it just feel like, oh, you're getting your hands dirty or like you're doing something that you're creating something as opposed to dealing well, with people? It, oh, certainly. It was completely different, different processes and all. But I had always been someone who got my hands dirty. I remodeled houses from a young age and so was always working with tools and this sort of thing. So it, it wasn't it wasn't a radical departure in that sense, but it was. It, it did give me a, a complete entree into an artistic outlet and endeavor, like photography had. But this is even more physical. And photography, as much as I loved it and all, you, I, I would take pictures, rolls and rolls and rolls of film, and and have some wonderful pictures, but. What do you do with them? You can, where do you put them? Just sculpture, you create these pieces. And typically, even if they don't have a place immediately to go, they're in my yard. They're there. They're on display. You can touch, feel, see, walk around them. That's what I really enjoy about sculpture. When you were taking photos, I mean, do you think that helped really develop your eye oh, in a 3D oh, yeah. way? Because you took pictures of, of from the top and the side oh. and the bottom. You looked for the angles oh. and the holes and Absolutely. the negative space yeah. and all of that. Right? No, no doubt about it. Just as uh, when you're a photographer... As you're walking around every day, everywhere, all the time, whether you have a camera or not with you, you're seeing the world through that viewfinder, whether it's the rectangle or a square, depending on your camera. But that's how things. As a sculptor, walking around in your environment, you're seeing things, space, balance, color, shape negative space so it's again yeah no you're exactly right it trained you photography trained my eye to begin with for sure and and so this is just a, a little different way of seeing tweaked a little bit yeah well, because like from, from an outsider looking in it's like you uh-huh. talk about that and then you talk about architecture mm-hmm. so then you've got all of these different versions of sculpture. Sure. Architecture gives you the exact measurements and exact it, it, ways things fit together. And it, how is this going to support that? You and, know? And, yeah, and that's a very interesting thing that you raised that because I, as much as I love architecture, that was the downfall for me. I'm not that guy who can do those precision, which architecture has to be. It's precise. It has to be built to the to a T. Sculpture, obviously, free-flowing and musical. And yeah, that was more meant for me. Even with your sculpture, you still have to be able for it to stand up. Oh, 
exactly. You know, so exactly. some things have no. to be pretty exact. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Sure. No, you've yeah. got to have balance for sure. And especially with some of the larger pieces that I make, I, the largest I make 13 feet maybe tall, which is tall. And when you're laying it out often is how I, I do it. I lay them out on the ground often and they're heavy, 250, 300, 400 pounds. When you stand it up, it's got to stand up. It can get, you, you've got to be able to see and, and get that balance in there for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like, well, what, what kind right. of metals do you tend to work with mostly? And then okay, like, here, where do you find this? Yeah. <laughs> here, here's my process to you. Again, in architecture, you typically are starting with a blank piece of paper and have to come up with the plan that you are going to draw that is going to be built. In, in some sculptors, that's the way they work as well. Some of them, that's totally not how I work. My, my work derives from the metal itself, okay? I take a trip to the metal yard, be it Padnos, MSU salvage yard sometimes, different places where where there's outcast metal, okay? And typically what I work with is industrial detritus rather than, I don't like scrap that the people have thrown away things. I like the industrial is very geometric and heavy pieces and, and this sort of thing. So I, I go to the metal yard and spend several hours and you look around, it's like Disneyland, as someone used to say, and you just, your eye is just picking out pieces. You have no idea what they're going to become, but they're talking to you. They're speaking to you. Just an artist who paints would go to the art store and, and pick out their colors, their paints, this sort of thing. It's the same thing, only it shapes and as well as texture and, and color and all. So I bring, throw the metal in my truck, bring it home. It's stacked up there. I look at it, think about it. It talks to me. There's a conversation going on the metal, between the metal and myself, a visual conversation that results in the pieces that I come up with. And again, I don't go into it with, oh, I think I want to make a big stand-up bass now, which I have a piece, Rodney, after Rodney Whitaker's big bass. It's the metal says, this is going, you put these pieces together and that's what you got. So that's the process that I use to, to arrive at the pieces that I come up with. Now, obviously I'm being informed when looking at those disparate pieces by what I love, jazz, space, nature, floor. Those are the things that I'm seeing through and finding those pieces that that then come into those different shapes. Yeah. So that's how I work. Now, do you have a, a, a good size studio? Because you have to have a place where, where all this metal will fit and that you can, yeah. without blowing anything up, I, on fire. So you yeah. have to have a good size, is it a garage or a shed? I, or? I work out of my garage, yeah. Okay. It's a, a two-car garage, which is a filled to capacity, much to my wife's chagrin. And, it, and it's a very dirty welding in metal sculpture. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Things get very dirty because you're grinding metal and this sort of thing. Yeah, 
but I work out of the garage and, and then there's a carport on front of the garage, large pieces. I'm not confined to the garage. I'm where I've got a, a large space to work in indoor, outdoor. Yeah. No. What kind of, is it steel? Is it iron? Or- steel, stainless steel, a mild steel is what regular steel is called with, that isn't stainless. So I use both of them and yeah, stainless and, and regular steel for the most part. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, like, when you do these pieces, this is all these questions are coming from complete ignorance about how sculpture. Sure. No, that's right. <laughs> now, do you have, do you ever put more than one kind of steel together on one Absolutely. piece? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Yes, I do. Yeah. All right. No, that so, adds, adds even further interest. Yeah. And occasionally, not often, I add color to the pieces. Another one of my my the aesthetics that I use the the Japanese wabi sabi beauty in the formed in the worn in the age I I love that so often I'll just let my pieces rust or use if if I've gotten pieces of metal scrap that have been painted but are all chipped off and all I'll leave that but then occasionally I I have pieces that that do call for color. And, and so I'll either uh, have them powder coated, which is a very expensive process, but it, it, the paint lasts a long time, or I'll spray paint them. And with spray painting, the beauty of it is you can you can just touch it up easily too. So mm-hmm. it, it's so yeah, either either the raw metal or as found or some pieces I painted. Yeah, okay. uh-huh. yeah. That that was one of those things. Is if you have a piece. In the museum, then the rest of the restoration work would be, you know, if it's powder coated, they have to take it to a place that does that. Exactly. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I thought, uh, I, and powder coating is the, uh, probably the best way to do it. Although, again, it's very expensive. I have a small piece uh, about four feet by by three feet that I had powder coated. And it was like $350 to have that yeah. powder coated. But then I, I was talking with an artist friend who he has a lot of his pieces painted. And I, I said, oh, wow, where do you get your stuff painted, powder coated? He said, powder coated. No, I just I just spray them. And, you know, then I can just touch them up as need be. You learn the tricks of the trade from your fellow artists. Which I, I wonder, too, is there an, a thing that's just as good as powder coating that some other artist has figured out? That's not. I don't know. I don't know paint. that there's a substitute for powder coating if you're talking about paint. No, okay. uh, there are treatments for the raw metal that, that again, I've learned linseed oil gives raw metal like a, a leather finished look to it. And it's very easy. It's easy to put on. You just either with a cloth or a brush. And that's another process that it fades in a year if it's outdoors. You just go over and do it again. It's right. dirt cheap. It looks good. So, yeah. That that is another another coating that that you can use. Yeah, well, that's yeah. good to know because I know a lot of people buy sculptures and then they just let them sit there. They never yeah, treat right. them. They never do exactly. Yeah. And then they do fall apart and they do rust up and that's it. <laughs> they, they can't. Yeah, which which is another of the beauties of metal sculpture. Though I've had I had pieces up in a gallery in in Charlevoix. The gallery burned down. Oh. It, didn't hurt my piece my work 
you can't hurt this stuff. Mm-hmm. If, if on the chance, and sometimes they do, I'll, I'll, some welds will fail after a couple of years, this sort of thing. You pick it up and you re-weld it. It's a beautiful thing as compared to if you've got a painting or a, a lot of other art forms, they're done. So yes. I love yes. that about metal sculpture. Oh, I always wondered about, now isn't, let's see, is it chrome? The one that doesn't rust? Stainless steel. Stainless steel. Okay. Yeah. Chrome, chrome doesn't either, but chrome is a, a finish that has been put onto metal oh. to make it chromed. It's a very expensive process, too. Okay. Yeah. But raw stainless steel, it doesn't so, rust. No. No. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Okay, because I was which, I thought chrome was like its own metal or something. No, no, <laughs> uh, you you chrome uh, metal, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Interesting. The I, I was going up Hagedorn a couple years ago, and when they were doing a lot of work there in the college, right by across from the the dorms and all, and at the railroad tracks there, I see this great big stainless steel tractor trailer fender that had oh. fallen off it was there just abandoned so i i didn't have my i swung back buying my truck and picked that up and threw it in my truck huge big mm-hmm. piece of stainless and and brought it home and i'm gonna make something out of it and i had it a couple years i started and, and was going to make some flowers out of some pieces of it and and that didn't work but then last year, I envisioned and cut these pieces up. It's now a 12-foot-tall ballet dancer. Oh, wow. Made out of this stainless steel truck fender. Yeah. That's fantastic. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Oh, man. It'll Great. be on display somewhere here shortly. This is the season every this is another beautiful thing to you about about metal sculpture is so many communities now rent pieces of sculpture for a year and have them in there on the streets just for Mm -hmm. people to enjoy so you and, and i do this through the midwest sculpture initiative it's called out of blissfield michigan you, you submit your work to Ken Thompson. He's a sculptor, and he runs that. And then he shops it around to these various entities, communities, towns, townships, who are looking to rent pieces. Hmm. And, and they choose from this this archive of, of work that, that he has that you've submitted to him. And then you deliver them there. And this is the time of year when we do that. We have to take the new work and pick up the old work. But the beauty of it is you're constantly recirculating this work and earning money from the same piece over and over and over again. Again, unlike a a painting, it's sold, it's gone, you're done. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. It Glad is. to hear that. That's uh, what we need uh, right now is lots of new methods for artists to make a living and a, and a decent one. So that's, absolutely. that's great to hear. Yeah. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. So, now you worked, did you work with, I think, was it Perry High School or? I, that never, there was a, a high school proposed thing that never worked out. No. Oh, okay. No, I, I, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> 
I, I did do a piece in the Meridian Township. There's a little pocket park there on Meridian Road and in Lake Drive, right across from Lake Lansing. There was an old house on there for years, and they finally tore it down, and they turned that into a park, and, and I was commissioned to, to do a, a sculpture there, and I did uh, a three three stainless steel sailboats and so they're they're there through the Hazlitt Beautification Committee and and the Lansing Arts Council contributed money to make that happen and that that was fun that's pretty cool so how many pieces do you have out there besides like you've got the regatta then you've got Mm -hmm. like how many do you have out right now floating around oh gosh out on display over Mm -hmm. the past year I've got about about eight to ten pieces oh, around wonderful. Uh, yeah a, around the state. I've had two Chicago the Chicago sculpture exhibition. This is their twentieth year of doing this, and where they place like fifty pieces around Chicago. And I had two pieces in that last year, which I'll be going to pick up. But yeah, they're. That just to give you an idea of Toledo, Mount Clemens, Port Huron, Hastings, Owasso, Jackson, Adrian, Fenton, all these little communities have sculpture. It's and I've been in in every one of them and have pieces there now like, as well as up in, yeah. Oh no, exactly. Elk Rapids is the gallery that I'm in, the Twisted Fish Gallery. It's considered. It's been voted one of the best, the best gallery in northern Michigan, actually. And it's got a big sculpture presence. They've got a large outdoor yard filled with sculpture as well as indoor. But And across from them, there's uh, Elk Rapids uh, Sculpture Park where I, that's right on the bay, East Travers Bay. And I had a couple pieces in there on the bay. So, yeah, it's fun to, to just have these pieces around. And I've got work that people have bought on Elk Lake up there, Torch Lake, Lake Lansing. The lakes, people like them on the lakes. It's a good backdrop for the Absolutely. art to have these lovely lakes and... Oh, yeah. Yeah. Now, some of the sculptures that you rented out for the year. Now, have Mm -hmm. you gotten offers on those prior to them coming back? It's some people do. There are sales made. The the pieces are for sale that are on display. That said, a lot of artists, myself included, price them such that somebody would want to really have to have them to purchase them because again if i sell it i've got to sell it for a price such that it's going to make it worthwhile because otherwise i'm going to have it and be able to rent it over and over so most of the piece that and most of the pieces that are on display in these places are large they're 10 12 foot pieces there's not a lot of people who are looking for a piece of that scale for their yards and, and houses, this sort of thing. So the, the pieces that I have in the Twisted Fish Gallery are more suited and people buy those for their yards. They're in the six to six to eight foot, more six, seven feet. They're manageable. They're for the scale of people's yards. That's yeah. Yeah. They're not good for the McMansions. They would be. But again, the market for people 
who are buying large it's got to be just just the right fit and and they'd have to be looking they'd have to see my work they'd have to fall in love there's so many things that would have to have to fit together for that Mm -hmm. to work not that it can and and we'll keep trying sure so like once a year you're like really busy picking up stuff and then redistributing and then after that you have time to make new exactly exactly yeah i'm been unable to to do any work right now and i don't work during the winter because again i'm outside in the garage and all and usually we spend winters either in san diego usually san diego now yeah i work late spring and the summer and and fall yeah creating new work you fell in love with the metal and the sculpting and with the the torch the one way trying to say uh, yeah i there's welding that some people weld with a torch i when i took that course we could try all the different varieties and the torch was not for me oh, it's okay. very very difficult and dangerous you've got that blast of fire and all so i i use an old-fashioned stick welder it's it's much easier there's no fire it's yeah no <laughs> well, so that i didn't even that, know about those so <laughs> yeah oh yeah that and a plasma cutter we use to to cut the metal into it, it it's just like a it almost you just shape how you want to and move it around and it'll cut the metal yeah yeah that's amazing <laughs> now, do you have to worry about a lot of first aid stuff? Do you get cuts a lot when you're working with plasma I've, and I've metal? gotten you you you'd better be aware and careful, yeah, because this stuff can hurt you. I, in fact, I was moving. I, I've got a big crescent moon out of stainless steel. That wow, I didn't realize it was as sharp as it was on the end, and I was putting it in the back of my truck and it sliced into my leg just boom that plasma cutting several years ago working on a project with craig mitchell smith and i foolishly didn't have leathers on because that is generating tremendous spark and heat and my jeans caught on fire And I didn't know it for a minute and got a very bad burn on my leg. So, yeah, you've got to be careful and take precaution and wear earplugs, earplugs, because it's very noisy, and leathers to protect yourself from getting burned, and gloves always, and goggles. And Yeah, oh, you're, yeah. you're like an astronaut, man, when you're doing this, I'm telling you. Wow. Uh, it's just one of the, see, I can just see it, I'm just imagining what it looks like and it's the dedication it takes to learn all these things first of all because you went through decades of photography and and architecture you finally eureka here it is and and then you still have to like play with the welding and all of this stuff and trying to figure out how to make it work like i say yeah fortunately like i say i had the experience for years and years of working with tools, saws, and all, all the tools that you would use in doing remodeling. So I had the familiarity with them, and you've got to be familiar with them and not be off-put by them. And so it was just a matter, really, of learning the welding. And I, to be honest, welding was a lot. Now, I'm not a, a welder who can build a high rise or or go down welding can also be very technical for mm-hmm. for people who are 
doing it in specialty applications. But for my purposes, for making sculpture, it's pretty simple. It's great fun. And it's, yeah, it's not that difficult. How many works do you think you've created? See, I go from, as I started out, you don't start out building 12-foot piece, 12-foot sculpture. So I started out in that welding class making little, well, making little, here's a, a, a couple pieces that I that I made in that class. Here's one, you know. So like a this, foot or yeah, a little less than a foot. Yeah, that scale using metal that they have there. But it was great. You mm-hmm. put it together. And, and so then you go from that to you, you get build larger. And then you go tabletop, tabletop scale. Here's a, a bunch of birds flying. So this one's and, wider and about maybe sure. two foot. Okay. Exactly. Then you has more you're, you're turns here, and things. You know, like that. And, and then from there, it's easy enough to go here and here, mm-hmm. and and then it's not that difficult to scale up. But okay. you've got to have again, like you said, you've got to have the facility to do it. You've got to have the space, the the tools to work with metal that that large scale. And yeah, to be able to maneuver them and lift the pieces and while you're working on them yeah and that that's the only thing that that keeps you from going even larger fun to do yeah do you have a a workout regimen to keep yourself strong enough to lift all these heavy things (laughs) yeah i've always been physically active i do yoga and tennis are my two things that i do now to keep yeah keep in shape yeah yeah. You know, you're talking about 12 and 13 foot pieces of steel. No, I know. Yeah, no, and I'll lift, I'll tilt them up into and up and down from the back of back my pickup truck to them and and tilt get under them and, and lay them in into the back of the truck. I could use a young person to help me out, I'll tell you that. <laughs> I mean so Michael apprentices. <laughs> right. Man. Hmm. Okay. Uh, well, we'll put, we'll put uh, that out there. You never know who might show up. So what, do you have a favorite piece that you've done? I think, was it Miles, uh, who, who said his favorite is what he just did. But I have pieces that have been, I had one that I loved a lot that unfortunately was the only piece ever stolen. It was oh. stolen out of my yard while we were in, in San Diego last year. And I notified the police and it was on all the neighborhood boards and all and i don't know where it went but it was a very interesting piece based on dance choreography but i've got last year like that dancer that i was telling you about i have that's pretty cool piece right now and i two of the pieces that i'll be getting from chicago are, are Two of my favorite pieces, one of them is called Mending Heart. It's a combination of the stainless and mild steel, two halves of the heart that are coming together. This is 12 feet tall, too. And We is the other one it's called, which are two two half circles that go up and almost meet up at the top, four by four metal, just uh, rusted, rusted steel. So yeah, I've got a lot. Of, I, I, to be honest to you, I love them all. They're really, they're like your, you, they become like right. your children. You love them. That to, you're, the pieces 
actually become like your children. You don't really want to even get rid of them. You don't, but you have to. Otherwise, you'd be overrun, you know? Yes. Exactly. So, yeah. Your wife kicks you out. But, yeah. Fortunately, I have a large yard where I have a lot of them on display. So, and it's so fun to live with them through the seasons and all. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have a annual sale or anything like that? Mm, not really. No, I've thought about that, but no, I I just do the keep putting work up in Elk Rapids at that gallery and keep putting them out on display through the the sculpture initiative and and other venues that that isn't the only one there's yeah dexter michigan does their own thing you, you'll often once you're known as a as a, a metal artist you'll get these solicitations from from places looking for not that they're looking specifically for your work, but they're asking, do you want to enter this competition to see if your work will fit there? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that keeps doing that keeps you, keeps me pretty busy. So, yeah. Oh, I bet. Uh, I mean, that's yeah. a lot of, yeah. well, now do you use your photography for that? <laughs> so you have to, yeah, all yeah. Your works I, and make press. You're sending, when you're entering these, you typically are sending JPEGs mm-hmm. of your work for their consideration. So yeah, you've got to, you've got, you you want your pictures to be, I mean, that's all they can see is those pictures. So you've got to have them. Yeah. Got to have them nice. Is any of that stuff I was just talking to, I don't know if in Gia Kai out of Detroit, she's a a promoter of arts in Detroit, but Hmm. we were talking about how a lot of the artists don't have that piece of putting all that stuff together and knowing how to do that. And was that a, like a real uh, struggle for you to get all that kind of stuff lined up and, and stay in line with that? Or is that? No, that's it, very interesting that you say that. Yeah. So, so many artists are just working from that one half of their brain, that artistic side of it. And, and they find it very difficult, if not impossible, to do the majority. That's just one part of being an artist. It's you're an artist for sure, but you're going to be buried in your work unless you're able to develop that other side of your brain and follow through with finding venues, putting those promotional packets together, going out and trying to place your work in galleries, whatever it is that that you see is the the means to the the type of artist you want to become and, and how you want to market your work. Mm-hmm. I was fortunate in that, like I said, I, I spent 35 years doing that sort of mental and writing and, and researching. And so I had those skills. Now, do I enjoy doing that? <laughs> Not particularly. No, it, it it's and so I totally understand why it is so difficult for for people. It's it, but you've got to do it if you want to succeed as an artist. And if you can't do it, you've got to hire somebody to do it. You know, you've got to be working both sides of your brain and force yourself to to do that. And I lag in that respect because social media. I, I just don't have the, the interest. I, I listened to your interview with Craig at Mitchell Smith, and I know he, he's posting on Facebook all, all the time, and he said he gets a lot of work through it and all. 
it, we're a little different. He's constantly working. He's supporting himself and he's got people working for him in a, a huge studio. And, mm -hmm. and so he's got to be doing that. If I had to support myself solely on my through my art, I would certainly step up that part mm -hmm. of my game. But I don't need to. And, and since I don't like doing that, right. <laughs> I'm just not going to do it. But I do it enough that I, I do it as much as I need to. It's good that you have the skills. That's a, a big part of it. So oh, to those absolutely. artists out there who are struggling with this part of it, just get it together. That means d do the parts you can do, the parts you can't do, hire out. Gotcha. So right, that's right. basically how that works. Uh, and then you just yeah. have to figure it out, how you're going to pay for it. But that's yeah, it's right. important. Well, you'll, you'll pay for it by the sales that you make through your art. Sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you're not going to have those sales. Yeah, people have to see your work. It's got to be out there in the public for their for them to access it and buy it and and enjoy it. Yeah, right. yeah, nice. for sure. Is there anything that you haven't done yet that you really want to hit or work on, or some new style or anything? I'm always in intrigue. I inspiration wise i'm i love going to to museums and seeing work in art magazines in the gardens my god you go there and walk around and and enjoy those sculptures and all of that inspires when i go to a museum and get home i just want to do work. Yeah. It inspired yeah. me, man. Yeah. Any particular, I'm working on some, there's a, a large scale Calder exhibition at MoMA that just opened. And I bought the the museum book of it and, and have been enjoying his work. And I've seen it in a number of lo lo locales. So I am thinking of doing a Calder-like piece, and I've done some sketches on it, which I typically don't do, like I said. But in this case, yeah. So that's something I'm thinking about and probably will be putting together. Now, is there any other sculptor that you follow their work that you really would love to have one of their pieces? Oh, gosh, yeah. He's totally different type of work but mark chatterley's work i like a lot he typically does kiln made abstract human figures and animals fish cats he's got a i think he's got some work on display right now down at the lansing art gallery so yeah i like his work a lot we have a bunch of craig's work my wife works for him Okay. Uh, so we've got got a lot of Craig's work here, and I certainly enjoy that. There's work out there. Have I, you ever bartered with any other art sculptor, like for a trade for art? I'm just curious. You know, yeah, that's a good question. I I haven't. No, I I wouldn't be adverse to averse to it for sure. It just hasn't happened. I haven't been in a position where I saw this piece and, and wow, I, I want that. Would you like to trade? But mm -hmm. that's not to say it won't happen, you know, or couldn't happen or yeah. won't. Yeah. It just, it just yeah. seems like because artists were, yes, we need money and everything, but sometimes we need skills. So it'd be sure. kind of cool if we could barter some of our services right. for a piece of art or a piece of that person's skill for something. Right. 
Right. You know? Sure. Um, sure. Yeah. Like, I really yeah. hate doing this, but you really love this and you're great at it. Can you come and do this? Well, and I'll give you this. No, and- no, hold it. I take that back. Craig and I have traded pieces. Yes. Okay. I've got a beautiful bonsai type of a piece that he did that was in one of his exhibitions. And I, I how did I forget that? I traded him a large half moon hanging piece yeah. for for that. Yeah. So and he's got it up in his his uh house in Charlevoix right now and I've That's got cool. his piece right here in East That's Lansing. Great. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, wow. See, leave I it to the artist that. to figure it out. Right. <laughs> <laughs> For Please sure. And he and I had the the pleasure uh, of of working with him on a number of the exhibitions that he did pro- before he he was really up to par with his welding skills. I would do the welding. He's he now does his own welding. But yeah, so I I would do a lot of the welding. On, on the pieces and and then on one of my pieces great lakes i think i sent you a picture of that has the the blue glass through five pieces of blue glass mm-hmm. surrounded mm-hmm. by metal great lakes he did those that glass for me that fused glass mm-hmm. that i used and yeah we traded skills in in that regard too yeah yeah you want to you want to work with and and be inspired by and have access to other artists to if you're working in the field and that that feeds your feeds your imagination and and skill set. Yeah. 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 Huh. For sure. So where can people find you online? Instagram magnata111. I post a number of a lot of more photography on there, not necessarily sculptural, but a lot of it is sculptural too. Or my website is magnatametalart.com. And that's online. That's about, <laughs> about it. Uh, I am in the, as I said, the Twisted Fish Gallery in Elk Rapids. Mm-hmm. And I live here in East Lansing and have a lot of work in my yard and studio that is uh, always for sale as well. People can get hold of me through my website. Thank yeah. you, Michael, so much for uh, sharing your process and your imagination and your beautiful artwork with us. And I no, really appreciate you coming. My pleasure, Tia. And thank you for putting this on. Yeah. I hope to see you soon. Oh, you will for sure. Yeah. Good. All right. Thank you. Thank you for joining us this week on Tia Time with Artist. Make sure to visit our website, tiaviolin.com, where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes and never miss an episode. Please leave us a rating wherever you listen to podcasts. We really appreciate your comments and will mind them to bring you more amazing episodes. I would like to thank this inaugural season sponsors, the folks at Jazz Lines of Ben Michigan or JAM. Michigan Art Share, a program of Michigan State University Extension, is a partner in supporting the Tia Time podcast and Sham Bones Music. Without their support, this podcast would not be possible. Thank you so much. If you would also like to contribute to the show, you can find us on Patreon.com. If you want to continue the conversation about topics discussed in the show or start new ones with like-minded people, join us at the Tia Time Lounge on Facebook. Thank you for listening. See you next week at Tia Time.
Thank you for joining us this week on Tia Time with Artist. Make sure to visit our website at TiaViolin.com where you can subscribe to the show and never miss an episode. Please leave us a rating at Apple Podcasts to expand the reach of the show. We really appreciate that help. And we'd also like to say thank you so very much to our sponsors, Michigan ArtShare, a program of Michigan State University Extension, and Cold Plunge Records. And also all of our Patreon supporters. We couldn't do it without you. Thank you. We'll see you next week at Tea Time.